What's happening, everybody? On today's show, I will give you my predicted order of finish for the SEC West and the SEC East this year. I'll uh, give the SEC the benefit of the doubt in a lot of their non-conference games. We'll also go around the conference with a freshman name to keep an eye on at Alabama this weekend. And we'll catch up with Gary Stoke and CEO and president of the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl ahead of their big matchup between Georgia and Oregon on Saturday. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked on SEC. It's great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. And remember, Locked on SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at LockedOnSEC.com. Let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. Over at Alabama, Bryce Young is looking like he may have found a new weapon at wide receiver this season. Of course, he loses Jameson Williams and John Mechie. Who's going to be that next guy to step up? Well, during practice on Tuesday, Bryce Young is captured in a video by Touchdown Alabama of him throwing a spiral to the true freshman receiver, Kobe Prentice, who, of course, this week was listed as a starting wide receiver on the depth chart ahead of their game against Utah State. Uh... Looking for a go-to target. Could Kobe Prentice, a true freshman, be that guy? He's gained a lot of attention throughout this offseason. And uh, Nick Saban has been a guy to single him out a couple of times. He said, I think he's shown promise with his quickness playing in the slot. His opportunities obviously have increased with JoJo Earl down with injury. He's taken advantage of it, and he's played fairly well. So that is going to be a name to keep an eye on uh, for Alabama, particularly this weekend in their matchup against Utah State. Another guy to keep an eye on is uh, a freshman defensive lineman, Jaheim Otis, who Nick Saban's been complimentary about as well. He said, look, the first thing about being a good defensive lineman at whatever position you play is you need to be hard to block. So if I was going to say something simple without getting too technical, I would say Otis, he's been hard to block. He is the heaviest player on the roster. Still needs to grow in some areas, but he is catching a lot of attention. Will Anderson, their star outside linebacker, has nothing but good things to say about him, saying, I'm very happy for him. He's one of the freshmen who came in, worked hard, didn't complain. He did exactly what he was going to do. I remember I was on on Twitter, and he was saying he was going to come in and lose weight and compete for a spot. And now he has earned a starting spot. So a couple of young guys at Alabama to keep an eye on this weekend when they take on Utah State. Meanwhile, over at LSU, Brian Kelly naming his team captains ahead of their matchup against Florida State. Senior defensive end Ali Gay, junior defensive end B.J. Ojolari, and sophomore wide receiver Mike Jones have been announced as their team captains. Gay was the second team All-SEC pick. Uh, Ojolari, as a player that uh, accounted for a breakout season last year, had uh, seven sacks. He's rated as the number 25 player on Todd McShay's early ESPN draft board for next season. Uh, Florida State, by the way, they'll be down a uh, linebacker in Sunday night's game against LSU. Their linebacker, Amari Gaynor, went down early in Florida State's win over Duquesne last weekend. Mike Norvell said he is uh, likely going to be out this one. He's been a solid piece for the Seminoles at that linebacker spot. He had four tackles in that game last week before he left with injury. 
over Florida. There's no doubt uh, Anthony Richardson is the big-time playmaker quarterback, and uh, Florida and Billy Napier expecting big things out of him ahead of their game against Utah this Saturday night. Utah head coach Kyle Whittingham with some high praise for Richardson, comparing him to Cam Newton. One notable similarity between the two is Newton started his career at Florida before, before transferring to Blinn Community College and then later to Auburn. Whittingham said, you got to account for the quarterback in the run game every single down. The guy reportedly has a 4-3 speed. At that size, it's incredible. It's Cam Newton type of numbers with his physical stature and his ability to run. That's something the defensive staff is well aware of. It's got to be taken into account uh, in virtually everything you do. So, again, Gator faithful expected big things out of Anthony Richardson. They will open up against Utah 7 p.m. Eastern on Saturday night. Over at Arkansas, K.J. Jefferson, high expectations for him. Arkansas has not been ranked and played a ranked opponent in the season opener since 1980. And the Razorbacks expecting a big, big atmosphere. K.J. Jefferson and defensive back Jalen Catalan talking with the media this week about that game. Jefferson said, we look forward to it. We know it's going to be a competitive game. It's going to be fun. The atmosphere is going to be great. We're looking for a sold-out crowd, just like that Texas game was a year ago. So we're all hyped and just anxious to get out there in the stadium and just play another team. Arkansas is ranked number 19, Cincinnati ranked number 23. Catalan said Cincinnati is worthy of its ranking, and the Bearcats have a good coaching staff, and he's ready to get going. He said, we grind for these moments since the offseason started. We've had great leadership on our team. We've had a lot of good practices put together in fall camp, and uh, so we just got to keep the string going along. When September 3rd comes around, we're going to be ready to go. So... Uh, Arkansas fans, very hyped for this one. We'll see what kind of fight Cincinnati can give the Razorbacks. Over at uh, Tennessee, they're getting ready for their Thursday night game. And this week, defensive lineman Amari Thomas talking with the media. Talked about his growing excitement for the first game and for that crowd at Neyland. He said, the crowd is crazy in Neyland. Everybody knows that. I can't wait to get in there, experience with the crowd. Vol Nation plays a big factor in the game, just as much as us knowing what, what we need to do. Them out there, that plays a big factor. The energy in the stadium, big role out there. Uh, Neyland Stadium will also be debuting a newly renovated uh, parts of their stadium, which will feature two new state-of-the-art video boards on the north and south ends, a lower, lower West Premium Club, enhanced chairback seating, and a whole lot of other cool stuff, according to utsports.com. So... Going to be fun to see all those new additions and get an early look on Hendon Hooker and the Vols as they open up against Ball State 7 p.m. Eastern Thursday night. Over at Missouri, Eli Drinkwitz telling the students, don't go to class. Eli Drinkwitz talking with the media this week ahead of their Thursday night opener against Louisiana Tech. He said, these students up front just asked me, should they go to class on Friday? I said, skip it. It's early in the year. You can overcome an early deficit. Yeah, you got a Thursday night SEC game on campus. You're not going to class on Friday, right? I think Eli Drinkwood's looking for as much fan support as he can. Uh, you know, the fans can make a difference in the SEC, and so if they can get that crowd hyped up and uh, they can start the season off 1-0 against Louisiana Tech, he'll be uh, feeling pretty good. So we'll see. If you're a Mizzou student, maybe you do skip class on Friday, get to that game on Thursday night to see the Mizzou Tigers take on Louisiana Tech. Over at Auburn, they are preparing for their game opener against Mercer. And, of course, as we talked about this week, one face that will not be out there is Nick Brahms, their starting center, as his football career has come to an end. He planned to use his uh, COVID waiver for a sixth season, but after having knee surgery last year, 
He said he was just not going to be able to go at full 100% like he wanted to. Uh, Brian Harson announced Brom's retirement during Monday uh, Monday's press conference, and uh, Brom's released a note on social media thanking the uh, Auburn fans. Said it was a childhood dream to play at Auburn. Says he will remain at Auburn and continue to help out the football team. And over at Vandy, we know that they routed Hawaii this past weekend, 63-10 in their season opener. Mike Wright, their starting quarterback, was you know the big standout of the day. One of his most impressive plays was a 21.8 mile per hour run to the end zone, which ranks among the best, even in comparison to some of the NFL's best players. Uh, Vanderbilt head coach Clark Lee talked about just how much that mobility has been an advantage. He said it's all about moving the ball. One way to do that is with a mobile quarterback, and Mike Wright is one of the best in the country in that respect. So Mike Wright running almost 22 miles per hour with that breakaway speed. Uh, I'm telling you right now, we'll get to it in a little bit in our predictions, but Vanderbilt is going to win an SEC game this year. I don't know who, but it's coming. Andy is going to win an SEC game this year. They're not going over eight this year. There you have it. That is the latest news going on around the conference. Coming up next, we're going to get to our SEC West and SEC East order of finish uh, predictions for this season. Yes, it's that time of year. We'll get to that in just a second. Thank you guys for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Uh, BetOnline.net, of course, is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports information this season. You can find all the latest football and uh, game matchups, news, and podcasts all the news you need, including uh, this year's opening week games, right there at Bet Online. They're your continued source for all your sports wagering information. I went about 500 in week zero. So, uh, Nebraska, uh, but anyway, if you want to go check them out, go to Bet Online, do what I did, get started early with your uh, season betting. And, uh, man, look, there's some good matchups in the SEC this week, an opportunity to cover some lines and uh, uh, get your season started off on the right foot head on over there check them out bet online they got all the information you need for live betting esports scores and more it is bet online it is where the game starts going along here locked on sec and look it's that time of year Games are about to kick off. we got to get to our predicted order of finish. And we missed a little bit last year. We were a little bit higher on uh, schools like LSU. Um, maybe not predicting Kentucky was going to be as good as they were last year. There was just a little misses. We were right on the, uh, I think, A&M. I think we had them uh, winning the SEC West. Now, we had A&M beating Alabama last year, which they did. We just didn't have A&M losing four games, and that kind of hurt their chances in getting to Atlanta. But I did predict that Alabama and Georgia would get to the playoff. I thought Georgia would beat, Alabama, would beat A&M in the SEC title game, and they would get in. And Alabama, with their one loss to A&M, would be sitting there at 11-1 and and get in at large. A little bit different. Alabama went and represented the West, despite losing to A&M, still represented the SEC West uh, and beat Georgia in the SEC title game. And, of course, they both got in, had the rematch in the national championship. Georgia won. We all know how that played out. But anyway, let's jump into it. Let's take a look at our SEC West order of finish. I've got Alabama going 11-1. and I've got Alabama losing a regular season SEC game. So they'll go 7-1 and in the conference. I've got Arkansas finishing second 
by virtue of head-to-head. I've got Arkansas 10-2. and two. I've got A&M going 10-2. and two. Both 6-2 and two in the conference. So I've got all three of these schools sweeping their non-conference slate. Of course, Arkansas has got some tough ones. But uh, I've got them finishing 10-2, and two, and I've got Arkansas finishing second in the West ahead of A&M because I've got them beating A&M head-to-head. So A&M, only two losses on the season. I've got them losing to Arkansas and Alabama. I've got A&M winning all the rest of their games, including that big one against Miami coming up in a couple weeks. So obviously, three double-digit win teams in the SEC West. It'll be a pretty strong year. I've got Brian Kelly and LSU finishing fourth. I've got them and Ole Miss identical, going eight and four, but both four and four in the conference. So I've got LSU and Ole Miss again, both sweeping their non-conference slate. That would mean we've got LSU winning against Florida State this Sunday night. And uh, strong finish for Brian Kelly going 8-4 and four in his first season. Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss take a little bit of a step back at 8-4, and four, and obviously I've got them losing the head-to-head to LSU, so finishing uh, fifth by virtue of a tie with them. And then bottom of the barrel, I've got uh, Mississippi State going 4-4 four and four in the conference, but i got them going 7-5 and five overall. I think they will lose one of those non-conference games. And then I've got Auburn coming in last, 3-5 and five in the conference, 6-6 six and six overall. Not terrible, but very similar to last year. I like T.J. Finley. I think Auburn's going to win a game they're not supposed to, but I think they're going to lose a couple that, you know, maybe they are 50-50 type games. So, not too bad, all things considered, right? If the worst team in the SEC West still is bowl eligible at 6-6, six and six, then it was a pretty good year. So that's my predictions for the SEC West. Again, Alabama 1, Arkansas 2, A&M 3, LSU 4, Ole Miss 5, Mississippi State 6, Auburn 7. Look, somebody's got to be bad, right? Or not bad, but like somebody's got to lose. It's just a lot of good teams, a lot of good talent. I struggled with this. Let's head over to the SEC East. I've got Georgia losing a regular season game. I've got them going 11-1 overall, 7-1 in the conference. So I've got Georgia beating Oregon this weekend. Behind them, I've got Kentucky going 10-2 overall, 6-2 in the conference, finishing second. So this is, is going to look very similar to how it kind of looked last year. I've got Tennessee finishing third, 9-3 overall, 6-2 in conference. Yes, I have uh, Tennessee losing a non-conference game. I think it's going to be that pit game. I've got Spencer Rattler, Shane Beamer improving this year. I think they... I think they take care of their non-conference mostly. I'm going going to eight and four overall, five and three in the conference. They're not going to be Clemson to finish the year, but eight and four overall, five and three in the SEC. Big step forward for Shane Beamer. I've got Florida going seven and five overall, four and four in the conference. Just going to be tough for Billy Napier. I think the defense just a little bit, you know, needs a little bit of tweaking. I'm excited for Anthony Richardson. I think he'll have a couple of games where throws some uh, throws some interceptions. Maybe those penalties come back to haunt Florida a little bit. We'll see, but not a bad start. Again, the two new coaches, Brian Kelly going eight and four, and Billy Napier going seven and five. It's not bad for year one of taking over programs that are in transition and need a lot of rebuilding. I got Missouri. T- tough year for Eli Drinkwitz. I got him going five and seven overall, two and six in the conference. And I got Vandy going four and eight overall, one and seven in the conference. I think Vandy wins 
an SEC game. I don't know who it'll be, whether it's Missouri or Florida or South Carolina. Don't shoot me those fan bases. I'm just saying Vanderbilt's going to win a game somewhere in there. Uh, now I think they mostly take care of their non-conference. I think they go three and one in the non-conference. So that's a step forward for Vandy, right? Four wins. I think the over under win total in Vegas was two and a half. So that's a nice step forward for Vanderbilt. So there you have it. That is the latest, uh, or that's my order prediction. I got Georgia going eleven and one. So I got Georgia one, Kentucky two, Tennessee three. South Carolina 4, Florida 5, Mizzou 6, Vandy 7. Feel free to jump on our YouTube video and call me an idiot or whatever you want, but that's <laughs> that's our predicted order of finish. So what does that mean? That means I've got Alabama in the West going 11-1, and one, and I've got Georgia in the East going 11-1. That means they're both going to Atlanta, but that means the winner punches their ticket to the playoff, the loser is left out. I think the loser ends up going to the Sugar Bowl, and the SEC only gets one team in the college football playoff this year. I know it sucks. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope the SEC continues to keep getting two teams in every year. But we got to be realistic. It's not going to happen every year. Last year was a little bit of an anomaly. We're not going to have two SEC teams in every year. Other conference champions are going to make a case. If Ohio State finishes as a strong a uh, Big Ten champ with one loss or undefeated, they're in. If Clemson only loses one game or goes undefeated along the way, they're in as the ACC champ. What happens with the Big 12? Does Baylor, you know, go win the Big 12 with one loss? I think they got a chance to, chance to get in. I think the Pac-12 is a little bit on the outside looking in. Unless Utah or Oregon run the table, uh, I think the Pac-12 is going to have a tougher time getting in. But I just think this is a year where two SEC teams don't get in. So there you have it. That is, the late, that is our uh, predictions for the East and the West finish. When we return, we're going to catch up with Gary Stoken, CEO of the uh, Peach Bowl, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, and uh, president, and we'll get his thoughts on this Georgia-Oregon matchup. That's coming your way in just a sec. The guy who runs one of the most important bowl games out there, and not only is it a bowl game, it's a kickoff game, and it's kind of the twofold. They've got the, the two games every year. He is Gary Stoken, uh, CEO and president of the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. How are you, sir? Welcome in. Chris, thanks for having us. You guys made some headlines just, uh, just what, about a week ago. Chick-fil-A Bowl sets a record for the earliest sellout in the 54-year history of the bowl game. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we call this year our record year. Uh, last year was our comeback year out of COVID, and this year's our record year where we're going to host uh, three games, the two kickoff games, Chick-fil-A kickoff games, the front of the season. Oh, that's right. Yeah, two. Yeah, we've got uh, Clemson-Georgia Tech on Monday, right. Clemson's top five, and then we've got, uh, obviously, Georgia-Oregon on Saturday to kick off the season. They're both, according to Mr. Steele, who I really think is the best <laughs> in the business. Friend of the show was just on with us last week. Was he? Yeah. Well, he's got Oregon 10 and, and Georgia 3, so two top 10 there, Clemson top 10. And then at the end of the season, we'll host, as you said, the sellout of the CFP semifinal with two top five teams with either number one against number four or number two against three. So of our three games, five of the six teams are all ranked in the, uh, in the top ten. So quite a comeback year for us. That's a weird, a weird uh, thought, though, to sell out a game and you don't even know who's playing in it, right? Like, <laughs> like people well, are buying a, tickets and it, they don't even know who's going to be there. It's really a credit to the Atlanta fans. We've worked really, really hard to you know promote the game locally and sell the tickets so that when the two teams are announced they take 12,500 tickets each it's 25,000 were sold out we've we've sold out 23 of 26 games 
And uh, I'll let you in on a clue here. We're probably announcing it as I'm speaking, but we'll announce that Georgia, Oregon is also sold out. Wow. So um, we look to have three sellouts of all three games and uh, an economic impact of probably over $100 million to the city of Atlanta. When wow. you look at the fourth largest convention town in the United States, Atlanta, Georgia, behind Orlando and, and uh, Chicago and Las Vegas, with the SEC championship game and our three games, four of the top six conventions in this town on an annual basis are college football games. Wow. That's how important college football is to the city of Atlanta. Well, let me rewind a little bit. This past year, Michigan State and Pitt were, you know, two really good programs. But when you hear two of the star players are opting out, I mean, there's nothing you guys can really do about that. But it, I guess you're a little discouraged. But the, the passionate fans of those teams, they're still going to come and support their team no matter who's playing, right? And they did. Pitt and Michigan State fans showed up because, obviously, their teams had very successful seasons. They hadn't been in the CFP. Well, Michigan State did, I think, a few years earlier in the Cotton Bowl. But with new coach, uh, Coach Tucker, um, they were excited. Um, yeah, having the opt-outs was a really interesting time because, obviously, both players were very important to the success of their teams. Both wanted to play, but when you look at the amount of money now in the NFL right. <laughs> with first-round draft choices, which they're given after the, the conference championship game, a first-round draft choice card, they and their agent and their family know this is worth X millions of dollars. Yeah. And so why risk that? I understand that. We would have loved to have them play, but uh, you know, as, as with everything in college football, we're going through some extraordinary situations now in college football. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a strange time, but look, it worked out. Kenny Pickett was a first-round pick. Kenneth Walker went very early in the second round, so um, you know. And we wish him all the, the best of success. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you guys put out the, the Dodd Trophy watch list has come out, six SEC coaches on it. What's, uh, talk about the Peach Bowl and, and the relationship with the Dodd Trophy. Yeah, thanks, Chris, for bringing that up. You know, we probably 15 years ago, um, through our relationships with George Morris, who was the head of the Dodd Foundation, who was an All-American for Bobby Dodd, uh, he was getting a little older, as was their board, and he came to me and he said, hey, Gary, we need some help. We need to modernize what we're doing. You guys are deeply involved in college football. We were bringing the College Football Hall of Fame to Atlanta from South Bend, we were moving into the CFP. We had just started the kickoff games. So he said, can you help us? And we said, yeah, we will. We became the presenting sponsor. And um, what we like about the Dodd Trophy is Bobby Dodd is one of only four players inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame as a player and a coach. Steve Spurrier, most recently, the, the fourth. Right. And what Coach Dodd stood for was, you know, educating, getting his kids degrees, and uh, working off the field in the community and obviously having success on the field. Uh, he won national championship in 1950, I think it was. So we said, okay, let's do the coach of the year, but let's do it in a special way. So it has to in involve scholarship, leadership, and integrity. You have to win on the field, but you have to, as a coach, be involved in the community, and you also have to graduate your kids. So we look at the APR and the graduation rates, and if they're lower than the standard, that coach, even though he may be undefeated, is not going to win the Dodd Trophy. <laughs> so, um, and, and coaches throughout the country, we do something unique. We go back on their campus and present the trophy. Oh, that's cool. So the president, the staff, the families, they can all be involved 
in the success because all of them help the coach with the success. Right. The coach doesn't do it alone. Rather than flying them to Atlanta, having a banquet, and doing it here. Right. And the coaches have remarked on that, number one, and number two, on they really want to win this award because the scholarship, the graduation rates, and the, and the community work that they do in the community is very important to them. Talk with uh, Gary Stokin, CEO and president of the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Let's talk a little bit about, a bit about this uh, kickoff game, Oregon and Georgia. I know we talked they're, they're going to be you know, two preseason highly ranked teams, but the crazy thing is Georgia, they just won a, na- a national championship. They returned most, on their, uh, most of the pieces of their offense, you know, coordinators, starting quarterback, and yet somehow people are overlooking them a little bit. It feels like like George, this Georgia team is going to be pretty damn strong still. Uh, right? And they got some pretty good quarterbacks behind, you know, the yeah. existing uh, starting quarterback. So, yeah, Georgia, I think, because they had, uh, what was it, 15 kids, I think, uh, drafted highly yeah. in the NFL draft. But Kirby has done a remarkable job recruiting. Georgia is behind Texas where you live. Uh, Florida and California producing the uh, number four in the country kids matriculating on college football scholarships. And we're a much smaller state than those three states. Right. So high school football is really important in this this state. We're number five in producing NFL players as a state. So this is a big recruiting base. Kirby gets first pick. He does a heck of a job recruiting. So he's reloading. Uh, the interesting thing in our game is Dan Lanning, who's the defensive yeah. coordinator of that national championship team, now is the head coach at Oregon. <laughs> and Bo Nix, yeah. who was the quarterback at Auburn against Georgia, is now uh, fighting to be the starting quarterback in our game for Oregon. So a lot of stories, a lot of bylines there. And yeah, I was going to say, I don't know how you're going to make it, Gary. There's no storylines on this game. What do, we, <laughs> what do we talk about? You know, You know, sometimes you get lucky when you pair these up. <laughs> I mean, I remember... I, I to mar- put this game together. I met with uh, uh, Mario Cristobal at the Pac-12 Media Days. I said, Mario, we'd love to have Oregon come play in our, our Chick-fil-A kickoff game. When do you have an opening? Well, we have an opening, and, and I knew when they had an opening. And I said, Well, I've got Georgia. And he said, Oh, I'd love to play Georgia. I'd love to play <laughs> Kirby because they were on the same staff at Alabama, right? Nick Saban, and they know what a kickoff game means to play in. Uh, it's the exposure you get. It's the kids being highly prepared in the summer because they know they're playing a ranked opponent in that first game. So that gets their attention rather than playing a nondescript you know, opponent in the first game. So that, the exposure they get, the money they get, uh, and the opportunity if they win this game. If Oregon comes in and beats Georgia, now in the CFP eyes of the selection committee Oregon now is going to be in the selection process right. all throughout the season it's monster win. and even if they lose and Georgia keeps its number two number three ranking that's a good loss there right. is such a thing as a good loss sure. in the CFP and if Oregon can win the big 12 and their only loss being to Georgia that'll get them in the CFP Gary Stoke and CEO and president of the Chick-fil-a Peach Bowl before I let you go uh, congratulations I saw you were named a Titan Pretty cool to be named a Titan, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, Do you put that on a business card? Uh, oh, I'm no, a Titan, by no, the way. They, they started uh, this award, I guess, in, in Colorado, and then they moved it into Georgia, and they picked 100 CEOs. And uh, I guess in sports they selected me, which is a nice honor. So I appreciate you mentioning that. Yeah, absolutely. To credit to my family and to my staff who do all the work and my family who allow me to do this. Uh, uh, it's a passion of mine to be involved in sports. It's my 43rd year to be wow. in sports in one form or fashion, whether it's 
the shoe companies, owning sports marketing companies, working in college athletics. So I'm very blessed. Well, we always enjoy catching up with you, man. Keep kicking butt. You guys are uh, killing it down here. And uh, looking forward to some monster games once again at the uh, Chick-fil-A kickoff game. And then, of course, the, the Peach Bowl, the, the semifinal, and everything you got going. Uh, congrats on all the success, man. And we'll do it again next year. Chris, thanks for having us. And we look forward to having you back for the semifinal. All right, our thanks again to Gary Stoken. Appreciate you guys for listening to Locked on SEC. Remember to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. We're going to have tons of content over these next couple of weeks getting you ready for all the games. Uh, Danny Cannell is going to join us in the next couple of days. Lynn Scarborough from Lindy Sports. Uh, Taylor McCarg, ESPN analyst as well. So tons of stuff getting you guys ready for the season. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you're checking us out uh, not only on the podcast version on iTunes and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, just search Locked on SEC, or go to YouTube, search Locked on SEC. You can see the video version of the show there. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. Now you can go make your second listen. Check out some of our other great podcasts all along the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Bama, Locked on Georgia, Locked on Vols, Locked on Kentucky. We got you covered, just about every team that you want. I'm Chris Gordy. You guys have an awesome day. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on Locked on SEC.